When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Caleb, welcome to the show. Always great to talk to you. Thank you uh, for making time for this as usual. I got to say, I have, I have a lot of questions about the new album and stuff. Um, but... I will say this is my favorite ba- Beartooth album by far, which I consider disgusting to be like a 10 out of 10 album. That's like for sure, easily one of the best albums of the last decade. And I think this one is better in absolutely every way. Like to me, this is the same kind of like energy, but it's like you've channeled the light side of the force instead of the dark side. What do you think yeah. about that way of putting it? Uh, I- I thank you first off. Um, and I agree uh, with you. I mean, I think in a lot of ways I was kind of chasing things after making that first record. It's, it's tough, dude. When, when you the first record is just like, it all worked <laughs> like the, right, right. like people got it. I was doing it completely for myself, like hundred percent, just no thought anywhere else in my mind other than like do what you love make a record that makes you happy and talk about you know your shit whatever it, it worked and it was great i mean i remember thinking of it as like oh this is like caleb's new project i wonder if this is going to go anywhere yeah dude straight up it was like that that was the energy while making it which you only get i mean if you're lucky you only get one of those you know right. you get one where there's no pressure there's no anything to it it's just do whatever you want you're just making a record purely from the heart with no nothing else going on. And and so then, like, in a weird way, man, that's how I felt making this record. Like, I haven't ever been in the headspace that I've been in. Um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit previously, but obviously made a lot of changes in life, feeling way better. And, like, talking about that for a record for the first time in my life, it really did give me that kind of, like, that you just go into that flow state. It's like this place that you can't even describe as a creative, but you can tap into it and it just feels so real and there's no struggle and it it just comes out. Um, And it worked. And and this record is exactly what I wanted to say. Um, I'm so proud of like the songs I wrote, of the mix I did of the, like everything about it, man. I, I really, I really do enjoy it. So Thank you. I'm glad you dig it. And I'm glad that you feel that same way about kind of like it has some it has some kind of spark similar to that first record. Yeah. I, I feel that same way, which is so rare. I mean, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, it's so hard. Like you said, you're lucky to even have that kind of spark once to have it. Not to say that you didn't before, but it does feel like this is like a renewed kind of, you know, energy 
to be able to find that 10 years into your career what's this album number five or something full length number five and we had an ep yeah right right and you did the seemingly impossible you made an album that is both the heaviest and the most melodic without being butt rock (laughs) (laughs) dude it, it is the chase it is the chase uh you know it's gonna be our best record yet right like, it is more melodic but it's still heavy like, <laughs> right. that well, i mean that literally it sounds is. People like, are like what's your new back. record sound like yeah. i'm like you're exactly what every other band probably tells you that is about to make the radio record um but it's interesting you did like there's a lot of stuff that to me sounds i'll say kind of like the weekend or something yeah. which is like a new thing for you yeah, um, where did that come from? I think that just sounded so fresh and cool to me. Yeah, dude. Um, specifically the song, um, my new reality that yes, is which I want to ask you about. It, it, yeah. It's like, it's a pop song. I, yeah. to fair. A lot of these are pop songs. Yeah. Beartooth has always kind of, I've always had like pop structure. Like if you break everything down, it's all, you know, intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out. Um, but the I, I did approach this record different in that I wanted it to be like write the song first. By that I mean like lyric and melody and chord right. progression, and kind of that's which is the know, way pop people write, and typically not the way rock people write. Exactly, like you know, typically for every other Beartooth record, it's been I write the music first, write the vocals to the music, and then kind of go back to the music and like tailor the music around the vocal which is very common practice. Yeah. Um, but no, this was way more like song, you know, songwriter style, um, like pop writing Nashville style where it's, I'm kind of surprised that that's the first time you've done this because mm-hmm. your other stuff sounds like you started with the top line. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think it's because I would go back and make sure the music always lines up. That's the one thing is that like when, the problem I think you run into sometimes with rock is when you have that fight between like the singer and the band, the guitarist. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, this riff needs to be in the chorus. Yeah. It's like, well, this riff is overshadowing the vocal. Right. It's getting in the way. And then you get that kind of like cluttered thing. Right. That's one thing that's nice about me doing everything. And also like having a pretty decent background in songwriting is the, the song it, it would tend to get less in the way. You know, and then when you're in the studio, you could be like, you know what? Actually, maybe there's no guitars in this part. And you don't have to worry about hurting anyone's feelings. Yeah. You can just do what makes sense for the song. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so like to my new reality specifically, that song I wrote um, with a pop writer and, and a hip hop writer. His name is Story. He He's awesome. Um, I met him here in L.A., great dude uh, and super talented lyricist um, and the thing that I wanted to do with that song is like manifesting, you know, self-empowerment, which mm-hmm. is all over this record. But towards the end, that's like the last three songs after like the sad, slow song in the middle are all just like super straight up empowerment. Nothing. I listened it. to those songs like probably five times in a row last night because it was just like, I love that vibe so much. 
And really quickly, I also wanted to mention my Patreon. If you like what I do on YouTube and everywhere else, joining my Patreon really helps me do this full time and worry less about videos getting demonetized by YouTube or copyright claimed by labels. Patrons get all my podcasts and main channel videos early. There are members only channels in my Discord that I'm super active in. I also do giveaways. For example, I've been giving away a lot of Emo's Not Dead merch. And you can also have me review your music, artwork, or anything else. All you need to do is join my Patreon at the $10 level. And then every month I do a call for submissions. If you want me to review something, just drop it in the comments of that post. And then I will review it live on Twitch. So if any of that sounds cool to you, hit the link in the description of this video. And I appreciate your support. Yeah, dude. And, and, and it was like crucial for me to have that be the record, the way the record finishes. Cause like kind of in the story of the record, the way it plays out is really how my last like year and a half played out while I was writing it. You know, it goes like starts super high, gets low, ends on a big high. And uh, but the thing is, is like, I mean, you would know this as someone who's listened to Beartooth Records before. Self-empowerment, not exactly my forte. And, <laughs> right. uh, writing, writing from a place of anything but like self-deprecation is genuinely new. Um, but. Dude, hip hop and pop is all about that, like, fuck you, I am the shit yep. thing. Yep. And um, so, yeah, we it, it was such a cool experience because I was writing it with this dude. And like, you know, we did the usual thing. We talk about what I want to talk about, what I'm going through. And but he was it was all lyrics for him. That was everything that he like put into it. And it was so eye opening for me because I would, you know, write a line or something. He'd be like, you can say that way cooler. Like, that's not fuck you enough that's not like uh -huh. like you got to believe it and then would like write this sick line and I'd be like oh okay and then we'd kind of go back and forth and work with it until it like you know I would be too far back he would go right, too far right. I would kind of meet it in the middle and then we have a line and we just went line for line for line for line for line and like there was that song is way shorter than what the demo was um but the demo was straight up just like it sounded like a, a weekend song. It was very much in that vibe. It was like, you know, just kick snare, Juno synth, and like right. a very small like thing to write to. And then, yeah, we made like a pop song and then I just flipped it into a rock song. Put some guitars in there and you got your rock song. Well, exactly. I, I think lyrically, this is the best album that I've heard in so long. Like, at least for me, like it just clicks for me. Mm. You know, kind of reminds me of like Hatebreed. I don't know if you listen to them very much, but it kind of reminds me of like Hatebreed lyrically. Yeah. Um, and so that the song, my new reality is the one that like really, I think stuck with me. So there was uh there was, there's like, I guess it's like the chorus or pre-chorus, whatever it's like, uh, so high I'm weightless. Um, what is, what is the line? Uh, so high up I'm weightless found another dimension. I see the kingdom coming. The world is my creation. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Which feels to me like I remember sitting at my job in like 2017 and just something clicked and, and I was like, I don't have to do this anymore. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. I just felt like I unlocked God mode. Dude. Yes. That's literally me, the end. Yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> that that's straight up. It is like, I, that's what I feel like I've found um, is that kind of just when you really understand that you are the only person that controls how you react to the world, mm -hmm. then it feels like you just got the keys, you know, it, like that's how I feel is 
you know, instead of feeling like a victim or feeling like, a, you know, I because I'm so depressed and anxious and my chemicals are imbalanced in that way, I'll never be able to achieve this. Yeah, I'll never be able to quit this or I'll never be able to whatever um, that that getting rid of that, like shedding that skin and starting over with like what you believe about yourself to mm-hmm. your core. Um, yeah, that that's what it's all about is like, holy shit, I can literally do anything that I want to do. Like, I wholeheartedly believe that I, I believe that is the case. And I think that is the case with anybody. Um, it, it's like when people are like, oh, I could never run a marathon. It's like, well, Why yeah, not? you couldn't you, you like you couldn't run a right marathon now. right now. But yeah. like if you put in the work, yes, you can. Any, of course you can. It's like I could run a hundred mile ultra marathon through the mountains if I trained for it. Like, sure. I believe that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I know that I could start a company that ended up being worth a hundred million dollars if I really wanted to do that. And I don't want to do what it takes to do that because exactly. Like that requires you to just like sacrifice your whole life, which yeah, you don't you want just, to do. Yeah, it's like your whole time energy goes to that. But if that, but was I know I could do it. It's a choice. Do, that yeah. is absolutely possible. 100%. Exactly, it's a choice. Yeah. And I think this is so interesting right, because yeah. one of the most frustrating things to me is that people want to hear that they're a powerless victim. And there's so many bands that are telling them that like, oh, you're doomed. The world is out to get you like you might as well not even try because you're screwed. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I hate, like I, I get that there's some catharsis there, but like I hate that message. And I hate yeah. that that's like if you say that to people, everyone's going to pat you on the back and tell you how great that is. If you tell them like, no, you can do whatever you want. You mm-hmm. can like have the life of your dreams. There's nothing stopping you other than the story you tell yourself. They get mad. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to me. Dude, it's because it's challenging. It's, right. Dude, I actually had a really interesting talk with Sean, the guitar player of While She Sleeps. Well, we just did a few shows with them in Europe. And he is a super like mindful guy, meditates, breathes into a lot of things that I've been into in the last few years. And he was talking about that. Like we were just talking about being depressed and being anxious. Like that's something we both really deal with. And he's like, it's comfortable to be in that space. Yep. Like it, it, it is, you don't have to do anything. You can just like check out. And, and that's like, that clicked with me heavy. Like, it's not that we want to be there or you like it, but it is comfortable. You know, like, you know, for me, it's so easy. I know how to get into that space. All I got to do is stop exercising, stop eating well, stop seeing the sun, stop sleeping well, you know, not worry about anything of myself. And then my chemistry is just going to go back there in a few days. And and then I'm in there and then I'm stuck. And then it's a whole process of getting back out. And like, but yeah, dude, hearing that it takes like work and it takes you. There's not just some outside force that's going to come in and do something for you. Like you're not going to be able to buy anything. You're not going to be able to do anything other than making that choice for you. That's all that's going to change you. Um, And like, it's a tough pill to swallow, but I do find it very beautiful once um, it's kind of like started to click. Cause dude, it's, it's just so empowering. It's like, holy shit. Like whatever, this person does or throws at me or that this situation imparts on my life. 
um, or in my career or whatever. If this goes good, if this goes bad, it doesn't fucking matter. Like what matters is how I react. Yeah, you know? that's all you can control. Um, but it's tough. Yeah, and that's and why it is tough. Yeah, I mean, like that's it. not yeah. to diminish. I mean, I've you know had depression or whatever. I guess probably my whole life. It sucks. Some days I wake up and I want to kill myself, and it sucks. And yeah, dude, it's, like it's you know not fun at all. Yeah. And that's not to diminish that at all, but it's like, well, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. Are you just going like, to lay in bed all day? To that morning. Or are you going to make the most of it? Yeah, straight up, dude. Like I have a, on my alarm every morning, it just says breathe. And like, that is, that is a crucial part of my day is waking up. Dude, we just did this tour in Europe that was incredibly stressful. Um, it was like the biggest shows we've ever done, massive tour everything great but like a lot of logistical stuff going wrong we're having a lot of issues we're we're and we're just having to fight through it but like dude breathing kept me going through that i mean through life in general but like just wake up before i start scrolling before i whatever it's just like breathe just for a few minutes even like 30 seconds just really deep breathing think about your day manifest something fucking awesome and then go and then, literally yeah. one breath one deep breath will make you feel better like instantly yeah, yeah it's like phys physiologically a fact like it, yeah. it will change the way that you're reacting to things and thinking about things there's it, so many little things everything. like that like a lot of people i think don't realize how much tension they carry like in their face and shoulders and stuff and if you just like consciously like take a deep breath and let it out and like release a lot of that tension that you're carrying you'll be like oh i instantly feel like 20 percent better dude yes 100 percent, man and it's so funny like feeling better in small ways like doing the little things that are going to make you feel better seems so stupid in the moment like right. when when you're sad and i'm like like okay for me for example it's like when i'm sad and i'm like I am I can tell I know this place I know that I'm a little out of balance here um I should go go for a run and go like sit in an ice bath or just like take even something as simple as just taking deep breaths I'm like that sounds like the actual last thing on a <laughs> list of things to do that I want to do I don't know why it's just so right weird. it's weird yeah but it's true but then you do it it's like yeah. I go out and I'm you know 40 steps into my run and I've got music playing. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I'm all right. <laughs> We're good. Yep. We can get through this. Uh, dude, it, it is funny, man, but it's making the choice. It's just like, it is all making the choice in that moment. And all of those little choices add up to the big picture. That's my it. mom and my dad. Um, but especially my mom who was a very like fucked up person. Like her parents died when she was young and her brother killed himself and all those horrible things happened to her. Um, but you know, she uh, put in a lot of work on herself. And so even though she was kind of a fucked up person, she had a lot of wisdom about this stuff. Yeah. And I remember she used to tell me I would be upset about something, you know, when I was a teenager and of course, always blaming other people and this, that, and the other. Yeah. She's like, well, happiness is a choice. I'm like, no, it's not. She's like, okay, well, if you want to keep being upset about this, you can be, or you can just choose not to be. Dude, happiness is a choice is like the motto that is so fucking true man i guess so many people who ask me how you do it like how'd you do it how'd you do it like it is the journey that is conscious out. effort every minute of every day that's yeah how. it is just choosing to do it that is it it's like 
to me, you know, it's like, it's a waterfall effect. It's a, Mm -hmm. you, but you got to take the baby steps. You know, it wasn't like some magical, you know, just one day I woke up and the lights turned on and like, I, I will say quitting drinking was definitely one of the most pivotal moments in that. But even then, dude, like I didn't stop drinking for like a year after I'd been going to the gym and I'd been like slowly learning these techniques and going to therapy and like all this stuff. It just one foot in front of the other every day. It's just take one step in the right direction. You keep going. And then like you look back two years and you're like, oh, my God, like I'm actually doing it. And yeah. then you just keep going. And but yeah, dude, it's a fucking choice uh, straight up. I really do believe that there's uh, one of the songs on the album that I think really captured this well, which is what are you waiting for? Um, Tell me about that one. Oh, I love that fucking song, man. I Uh, do too. I wrote that one with Drew Folk, uh, who is a legend. I'm sure you're very familiar. Yeah, Um, he's amazing. He's so good. So we haven't worked together since we did. You never know on our album disease. Um, But yeah, I, I just wanted to work with him again. I mean, he, he's awesome. I don't work with a lot of writers. I am incredibly closed off when it comes to Beartooth stuff. Um, but yeah, like, you know, me and him, we do the same thing every time. Get a coffee and just talk for like two hours and just hang out, talk about life, get caught up. He just wants to know what I'm feeling, what I'm going through. We listen to the record um, and everything I'd had. And he he was like, dude, let's just like distill something down and just give them a really easy. Here's Mm -hmm. Beartooth. Here's the music. Here's the lyrics. Here's everything. But just like straight to the point. And and it turned out to be such a great song. Like the lyrics are the most basic version of what I was trying to say possible. You know, I'd come up with a line and it's like, the motto when we were writing it, literally, we just kept saying, we can go dumber. Like, it's not <laughs> yes. like we can go dumber. And, and so that's what we kept doing, dude, is like, you know, I I'm talking about how I'm I'm in the middle of this big change. And like, I feel like you have to just do it and blah, blah, blah. And he's like. Turn your life around, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just distill it, make it so simple and obvious that you cannot misinterpret it. Which is the chorus of the song for anyone who hasn't heard it. Yeah, yeah. And like when you listen to it, at least for me, it's just it is so obvious what this song is about and really what the record is about. Yes. Just fucking do it. (laughs) Turn your life around. Yeah. Just turn your life around. But but I appreciate that you did that because I, I like I'm a very literal kind of person and, you know, I'll read some bands and I, but I care about lyrics. And so I'll read someone's lyrics and and I'm like, I have no idea what this is about. And then maybe I see an interview with them where they explain it. And I'm like, Oh, this is great. Like you're a really intelligent person and this is a great message, but I would have no idea from like, unless you explained it, I had no idea what this song is about. And I understand, you know, obviously everyone can do what they want, but I'm like, why didn't you just say what you meant? You know, For sure. It goes a long way. And, and I very much so in my previous records have um, either been like somewhat straightforward or I'm writing about com- something completely different and I'm using it as kind of like a crutch to 
what I really mean because I'm like afraid to say it or something. Right. Right. Um, I think that's probably a lot of it is people are afraid to say it because yes. they're afraid of being judged or they don't want to disclose 100%. something, which I get. Yeah. Uh, but it really helps people if you can just like lay it out there. I, I think you're doing your audience a service. Yeah, dude. Th- I'm very happy that that's the approach that was taken with a lot of these uh, songs. Is that just straightforward? Uh, the other song I wrote with Drew in that same vein was "I Was Alive." Um, mm, that's a great one too. The, the last song on the record, which, in my opinion, is my favorite song I've probably ever written. Um, but like to be able to just strip away all of the fear and, and just write um, and say exactly what I want—that's mm-hmm. that's what made this record different. Is there was no fear, um, and I—I I mean, not no fear. It was there, but that was like the choice I made while writing. Um, because making Beartooth records, like I do have to choose to go into headspaces. Like I mm-hmm. always, when I'm making the record, go back into the headspace, try to that I made the first record with, which is this is an album for me to say what I need to say for my own health and my own well-being. And I'm not going to write this for anybody else or for what people think they need to hear or what I think the radio wants or what I think is going to make us successful. I'm just going to write a record that makes me happy. I go to that place. And then the thing that was different about this record is I just, the motto was no fear, no fear for the whole record cycle from writing it to all the way when it's done is there will be none. And um, yeah, man, writing songs like what are you waiting for? And, you know, I was alive in my new reality that are just so polar opposite to any Beartooth song ever um, is it, it was scary. But like going in with that no fear choice, you know, while writing them, it made the record what it is. So like, yeah, man, it, I'm just really excited for people to hear this. Uh, it seems that every, yeah, everything we've put out so far and, you know, obviously the records, you know, they're probably out by now when people are hearing this, but, um, yeah, like, I don't know. It's been a long time coming. I never thought I would write this record in my life. I never, ever, you know? And, um, so I'm very cool. I'm very cool with it. Very happy about it. And so for people to give it a rip. It's interesting, you know, that you... (laughs) I guess I'm trying to think of a way to say this that isn't shitty, but I'll just say it. Oh, please. <laughs> is like, so uh, there's a lot of people that, that haven't loved the singles so far. And mm. people on Reddit literally say, I'm glad, I'm not even exaggerating. I'm glad Caleb is doing better now, but I miss when he was a depressed alcoholic because the music was better. Yeah. Oh, like, are absolutely. you serious? Yeah. It, it's hilarious, man. I mean, I will say like, I, to a point, I get that. Obviously, I don't agree. And like, I don't yeah. think they actually wish, you know, my mortality again, against right. me, whatever the fuck. But like, um, I do. That was the thing that I think I was the most scared of with this record about. But this is out. not a sober record because sober records almost always suck. Yeah, it, it, this is definitely. You know what I mean? That. Yeah. The like the. It's also, still you, you said it's the opposite of Beartooth. And I don't think it is. I think it's. I think it's the same thing Beartooth has always been. You've just, mm. you know, you're a different person and you, you know, you have grown and gotten out of a, a dark spot, but it's still Beartooth. It's not like you, you know what I mean? It's not like yeah, you made a yeah. ska album. Right. Yeah. I will. So it is definitely to the core, very Beartooth. Yeah. Um, it is definitely, it's opposite to any Beartooth record subject wise. Thema- and the, yeah. Totally. Thematically. And yeah. like the, the, 
point of view that I'm writing from, I guess. That's what is so different. But yeah, at, at the core, it really is. Like, Beartooth, if you could write down, you know, if I wrote down the Beartooth Manifesto, which I didn't write it down when I started, but I just, you know, it's, it is me alone in a room or a basement usually or a bedroom <laughs> writing songs about exactly what I am going through emotionally at that moment with zero filter right for me to hear and for me to work through something and that's what it is and, and yes. so that did not change um but the the energy about it changed so like what I get about people not being as down with it and what scared the hell out of me was I was like this is just going to be different this is like a totally different thing you know I'm not writing from that angry place so it is a brighter record you know just sonically it is brighter like yeah it's it's heavier but even the way it's heavy is different yeah you know and um and like obviously people would just have their opinions on musical taste sure. it's like it's you know some people like death metal some people like pop whatever um but yeah that scared the shit out of me like putting out riptide um and making that first statement of hey like I'm not making another depressed record. This is like what's about to start happening with Beartooth. Uh, it's fucking terrifying. It's like, here we go. I'm, you know, shirtless with a bunch of pop dancers in like a Backstreet Boys looking music video. And like, it's all about how I never want to write a depressing song right. again. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's literally the chorus. Um, so yeah, it's fucking scary shit. But I will say... Uh, you know, it's just where I'm at and what I'm going to do. And like, if I'm going to write a depressed bear tooth record, then it's not a bear tooth record. That's yeah. me just lying. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me bullshitting to try and do what I think a comfortable fan base would want, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Which I mean, to me, like you said, bear tooth is really at the core, just always been about you sort of um, being honest with the things you're struggling with at the moment, you know, or maybe struggling isn't even the right word, but the things you're working through at the moment, you know, yeah, and, sure. uh, you know, for you to sort of deliberately put yourself in the same place as you were, you know, seven or eight years ago would be dishonest yeah. and it would suck. Like it would suck. There's no, I mean, we, we know like there's how many times, has it been obvious that a band has tried to do something to please the fans or please radio? And it, it never works. Mm -mm, never do. Never man. Some really good insight, um, that Ashi actually gave me, um, shout out city lights t-shirt on today. Respect. Um, but he, he actually told me when I was talking about like how I've just never been able to feel that spark or like capture what I captured making that first record. And he's like, his insight, which was really good, is he's like, everybody is always trying to make a new hope again. Mm -hmm. and like, it's done. Like, that yep. has happened. You got to just make something new that's real. And if you keep chasing that ghost, you're just going to get stuck. So, like, yeah, it, it is very hard sometimes when, like, you literally see what was the most successful, what people clicked with the most in it. But like, sometimes you just got to understand that that was because of that moment and those circumstances. Yeah. Like I, it's like this record. I've accepted that 
there's a good chance that I never make a record this kind of like, I don't know, transitional or empowering. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's like people keep asking me in interviews, what's Beartooth got coming in the future? What do you think is the direction? You know, are you going to keep making this happy record? Are you going to keep like, I don't know. Like, we'll see in two years. You know, that's yeah, there's no roadmap of like, well, yeah. I'm going to make my sad record next and then it's going to be 30 percent less sad right and if you hi this is chad nicefield and this is justin press we're the host of making waves the ship rock podcast a part of the sound talent media podcast network we're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment every week we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist we'll have lots of special guests along the way so tune in every week your stateroom is available every monday morning so welcome aboard try to do that which i think bands do like sure. there are definitely artists and people that try and like create this i don't know story this outline to to just like the emotional impact of the record like it's just never gonna work it's gotta just be what's what's happening to you at the moment and sometimes you know that leads to a record like you know, in my opinion, our second record, which was, I think it had some really cool moments of like catching lightning in a bottle. But a lot of it was just like me just fighting to make a record because right. like, I was so emotionally burned out. Um, but that was at least real. At least that was what I was going through. So, like, yeah, man, t trying to stop chasing the ghost um, and just continue to be in the present, like in a roundabout way was the only way I could like capture the ghost again. Right. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I felt that way about one more light, which a lot of people hate that album by Lincoln park. Oh, okay. um, that's like the, the, the last one that's like more pop. A lot yeah. of people hate that one because it's more pop. Right. Um, and you know, they want, you know, hybrid theory again. Um, just but over I, and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know if you know the song one more light, but it's probably the most just like, absolutely brutal thing they ever did it's about a friend of theirs that died of cancer yeah. but especially knowing you know what happened with chester like you're yeah. like well it kind of sounds like he's talking about himself too yeah. and it's like it's a pop song but the lyrics are just like crushingly crushingly brutal yeah and uh i, I guess i just think it's interesting or kind of sad that you know, people are so kind of blinkered into like, um, Hey you, do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020 where myself, Benny Goodman and my good friends, Corey Pays and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app only being able to appreciate one particular musical style that they can't look past that to think about what is this person saying and why, if that makes sense. hundred percent. I completely agree. Um, yeah, dude. And I'll say like from an artist's perspective, that, that is, to, that's heavy shit. Is that like, you know, for them, I mean, think about putting out that record with maybe yeah. the most like, 
brutal heartfelt shit they've ever done that was so scary for them to do and like they're growing up they're not you know 25 and they're not writing these like super pissed off records they write this pop record and then it's met with just give us the old shit like <laughs> this we don't sucks. need this Play we don't closer. need this trash yeah. you know what i mean One step like, closer, yeah. which i'm sure they knew putting it out was what people were gonna sure. think say but um yeah, they did it anyway. And like and people aren't obligated to like anything, you know, if like, no, of course you know, not. whatever. But I just from the perspective of, of a fan, I would think, you know, you're just missing out on so yeah. much great music that, you know, you probably would love if you could just learn to appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Getting getting out of nostalgia with a band is tough. Like um, so many records of like people's favorite records. um, you know, it, it's because that was like a moment for them that that was so huge in their life. It's like for me, you know, my favorite Blink record is like the self-titled record. Um, uh-huh. and, and I think for most people, it would be one of the earlier ones. But it just like, depends me, how old you are and when exactly. you heard it and all that stuff. It, yeah, it literally to me is like I think that, you know, Technically, it's like take off your pants is like the most perfect record. That record's unfucking believable. But the self-titled record to me came out at a t- that was the first Blink record I ever heard, and you know, um, it, it it just like it infatuated my life and it changed the way I viewed music and rock whatever. Um, so it was very influential. And like, there's so much power in nostalgia and. It's you got to be careful with it because I feel yeah. like people get addicted to it. They think that the artist it has has lost talent because they're not scratching your nostalgia itch. And then like you stop giving art a chance when you're kind of like stuck in this place. I don't know. Um, and all you're doing you is, you know, missing what I'm out. trying to say it's yeah. hard to kind of like express. But then from the artist side as well is like when you're letting that really impact you um i think there's never anything wrong with like giving people a taste of you know the good old days like what are you waiting for for us even like the first song is i'm trying to create some nostalgic feelings to to curate the rest of the completely unnostalgic stuff that's coming um but yeah dude it's like but you can't pander no getting stuck just the worst thing in art is getting stuck and that's when you're to me getting stuck is when you're just trying to please something you're not making art because you love it you're making art because you think this is what is going to sell really at the end of the day <laughs> it's it, right. you know what i mean well one thing so getting back to like the the reddit kind of thing i'm curious what you think about this um and and to preface this you know, I, I say this, you know, again, as someone who has like dealt with this stuff my entire life, I mean, like back when I lived in Columbus and I was hanging out with Cam and Ashi and Chase drinking seven nights a week and I wanted to just die all yeah. the time. Like I yeah. get it, but I feel like, I feel like mental illness is kind of glamorized and trendy now. Mm. Um, what do you think about that? You know, maybe I stay far away enough from it of like i can keep myself pretty out of tune with with the scene and with things that are probably going a good on. thing um yeah I, you know i i think in some ways it's in some ways it's just not good for my job <laughs> like i should right. be more involved but i think for some ways it's kind of important for me to do that but 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I do. I, I don't know if it's necessarily like being glamorized. I, but I think, and I'm speaking from personal experience as somebody who's been like, I mean, I've had so many people, especially in the earlier days being like, who is this dude? Just, you know, you're using depression as a way to like make right. it in short. Um, and so I do realize kind of like the danger of it and that I know for me, I am, I can sleep at night knowing every word I said had no ulterior motive was nothing other than me just trying to be honest and what happened happened. And I've done that for every record and I sleep really good at night, but I do know how business works and yeah. I know how money works. And I know that there are a lot of other bands that have seen bands like a Lincoln park or like a whatever, who talk about these really heavy emotional things um, and see that it works. And so they do what works and they try and write songs about that to make money. And I do think that's kind of like dangerous. Yeah. And it's just, as I have grown up, you know, I, obviously when I was 19, it was way different, but like now that I'm 30 years old, I, I think that there's a difference between expressing your pain so that people understand that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And then there's a diff and then there's like glamorizing and then there's like, um, you know, and I use the word romanticizing, which yeah. is, which I, I use in Riptide. I mean, I'm literally calling myself out. I say, this is the last time that I'll romanticize the Riptide that's trying to drown me. The tortured um, artist kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it's like, I think that I could keep doing that and it could be from an honest place, uh, but I'm choosing not to anymore. Um, and obviously there are still, I'm going to write stuff that's heavy. I'm going to write stuff that's sad, but like, to your point of that, there may be artists who are doing this. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it happens. And, and not and just I, artists. I mean, just like random people on TikTok or something that sort of construct oh, like their whole, general, yeah. yeah, constructing their whole identity around the fact that they have some mental health issue, which again, I totally get it. I'm sympathetic, but yeah. for their sake, I would just say like, man. Yeah, that's just unhealthy. Like, Yeah, you don't like, want to live this way. That's scary. It's like, yeah, I, I yeah. have been there like 100%, not... Maybe not outwardly like choosing to create my make my identity being mentally ill, but I've definitely been that person before where every single interview, every single thing people ask me is like, you're really fucking sad and fucked up. I'm like, oh, well, maybe <laughs> what's that like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, it sucks. Okay, well, let's let's look at this. Maybe if every single person is asking me, why are you like this? Maybe there's something that I am doing that is giving, <laughs> leading them to think this. Um, and obviously, you know, it takes growth and it takes time. But like, like you were saying, dude, so much of life is a choice. And like every word we say, we have control over that. Every energy that we put out into the world, we can control at the end of the day. And yeah, the, the difference between like glamorizing and romanticizing and then just actually like going through it and looking for kind of like help or looking for a way to connect with other people. Yeah. They can be two very different things. And I think right. it's scary shit. Like it's, and just, it's hard to know what the difference is sometimes. Yeah. When you're, when you're so deep in it and you know, when it is so comfortable and it's working, that's the scary part is it's like, you're doing this and people are 
like, yeah, you know, go ahead, keep, keep living in that space. Um, it's, it's tough to get out of, you know, um, fuck, I've definitely been there. <laughs> like having success, making really sad shit, um, and being the sad person and talking about the sad person. It's like, I, I truly never was trying to be that person, but I do think subconsciously it kept me in that space. Um, I don't know. It's like, you know, it, it just kind of is a, a vicious cycle. Exactly. Like I remember, especially like the emo rap stuff was really, really, really intense with that. Like, I think it was little peep. I don't want to say for sure, but I think it was little peep. There was one of those guys that would like post stories of like fans would bring him pills and he would just like take them, you know? And that's just like such a sad example of like, I think again, I think it was old Pete, but he's obviously like making this stuff like as a cry for help in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and then the fans want to want him to think that they're cool. And so they bring him drugs and he's in such a like bad place that he's just like, fuck it. I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to take this. Yeah. You know, and you just see that. I'm just like, dude, this is so, and I'm again, I'm not, this is not me being a boomer and yelling at them and saying they're, I'm just like, dude, this is so sad and fucked up yeah. and toxic. This is not good. You know, dude, I, I mean, yeah, like it is a, it, it, it does curate that cycle. Um, you know, like that shit is just, it's such an odd, almost uncharted territory, right? Um, like, you know, obviously there's always been really sad artists, you know, from painters way back in the day to now, like tortured art is some of the biggest art always. Um, but yeah, now just with kind of the state of the world and, with the fact that the internet is what it is and there's every little subculture that you want, you can kind of curate your own lane and like find anything you're looking for or get into anything so much deeper. And there's a lot of influ a lot more outside influence going on in the world um, that I, I, I think that can lead to some kind of like maybe uninformed decisions. Right. And um, things that people don't realize, like what, is really going on um and yeah like you were saying like uh you know like in like emo rap like from the outside people could think okay this is just like his vibe is he's just kind of singing in this sad tone and talking about i wish it was stuff. that and yeah and like that's his vibe but like he's he's having a blast and he just loves pills and he yeah. loves to like get fucked up and it's like a party so like they think that's cool and, and you know whatever and and it just kind of gets vicious. Um, I remember seeing him. He did this vlog um, where he was like going to the mall or whatever. And that was like one of the first things I saw from him. And I was I turned to my wife and I was like, dude, this kid's going to die. Yeah. And he did well, like six months later. But if I was 16 years old, I wouldn't be able to see that. It's only because no, I was an adult who had seen this stuff, you know, that I was able to see that. Yeah, for sure. Like, dude, I mean, I think about, I don't know, like. Even like fucking party bands in the eighties and shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of similar where, you know, at the time, all you're seeing is the glamorized version of this. You're not seeing the fucking gruesome hangover that they're dealing with every day. You're not doing blow them, to get rid of the hangover the mental yeah. torture that they're in from being in this place. <laughs> you know, um, it, it just, that's the thing that's hard is I think 
so many people just look at things at a surface level and don't really understand what's going on underneath. And um, yeah, dude, that I don't know. Yeah. Art and like mental headspace and even just sense of self sense of self to me is like a massive part mm-hmm. of all this stuff we're talking about. With- like if you think like I remember thinking like, oh, I'm I'm a fuck up. I'm always going to be a fuck up. I'm just like destined to be like a miserable, you know, fuck up, basically. Straight up. And so then I was then, then of course, I acted like one, which yeah. made it a self-fulfilling prophecy and, you know, mm-hmm. so forth. Exactly. Literally case in point, dude. Yeah. When you think that way, then you just don't fucking care. So like you said, you're going to be at the bar seven nights a week. Yeah. Fucking doing whatever. Because honestly, in a way, that's you just saying, I give up. I'm just going to do whatever makes me momentarily happy. Yeah. Get in through quotes, this life yes. Because I am I am doomed and whatever. And I don't fucking care. I mean, I used to literally say out of my mouth, I'm probably going to live till my, you know, hopefully my 40s. Like, you know, because I just didn't care. I hated myself so fucking much and thought I was so doomed and, and manifested that for myself and lived in that and spoke that truth that it became real. And, you know, I was just doing anything that made me momentarily happy. Um, and it was fuck as somebody on the other side, I'm sure you can attest. It's like, that was absolute fucking bullshit. That was yes. fear. That was me just saying shit. So I could like get away with it and not have to work hard and work on myself and look in the mirror and deal with the shit that I knew would give me a better life. Um, and, and yeah, it's it, it's so hard. It is almost impossible um, to see the other side of that coin when you're there. It's almost impossible. I, I mean, you look at, you know, numbers of addiction, you look at whatever, like that legitimately is a very hard thing to realize that you have power. But it's so true. It's all you. At the end of the day, there's no like a lot of people have like they say like rock bottom. That's their thing that kind of like turns them around or whatever. Um, But yeah, like it's until you choose for you, you know, so much of this world is based around what can somebody else do to help you with this? Or we're selling stuff that's going to keep you down in that place because we know that you're going to keep spending uh, if you're down there and you need to find a way out, whether it be, you know, pills or drinks or fucking whatever it could be. Um, Yeah, dude, like self-love and self-care is uh, a very difficult thing to grasp and i completely understand it and like absolutely no shade to anybody who's living in that space um totally totally you know, we, yeah. we, we've all fucking been there but as somebody who's been there and has now found a way to at least start to understand and deal with those problems head on like step by step it's worth it like god damn it's <laughs> <laughs> like I, i'm a big yeah. fan personally um but yeah, it's fucking tough and it's scary. Well, last question for you on a happier note. Um, one of the things, especially like with uh, the latest single, The Better Me, I was like, man, this kind of sounds like Bill Murray, which made me think about your former band, Attack Attack. Yeah. How do you feel about all the love that Attack Attack gets now, you know, 10, 15 years later? It's so funny, dude. Uh, I, 
you know, when I was in it, uh, it was just nothing but a good time, at least in those early years. You know, the t- the records with Johnny and like yeah. the 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 self-titled and Someday Came Suddenly. That was just nothing but a good time. And, um, you know, then it, it got weird and there was so much self-hate. And then I had, you know, my scene guilt and I started my <laughs> fucking hardcore band and whatever. Um, but like now it is so funny how that works. Like people enough, just love that stuff so much. Enough now. time has passed now that I think it's those like kind of those things like, dude, you post a lot of these memes. Like we'll yeah. never realize you'll never realize these are the best years of your life. It's like, that was one of those fucking moments, man. We were such a weird band and such a weird flash in the pan. But I do think there was like, when at first I thought it was just kind of like this crazy weird, like how could they have made this happen? I think there was a lot of talent and and I think there For was like, sure. Absolutely. I mean, you see what happened now yeah. with you know, Johnny and myself and even they're still going, it's like, there's, there was a lot of good shit that went down, but I definitely don't at all have any of like the the hatred for it i i mean is it cool to see that people appreciate it now because obviously a lot of people back then didn't oh my god it's hilarious to see it now uh because back then like you know we had our supporters and then there was just you either supported it or fucking hated it right especially in like (laughs) 2009 like when it was when it was kind of like just a hot moment um dude i remember being on warped and like literally bands from stage like shit talking us and the whole like skull candy stage right <laughs> like just hating you're like on. i'm 17 don't you have something better to do with yourself yeah, I, was, I was literally a fucking kid um but like that now that people are into it and kind of appreciate it i think is great i am all about it I, I just think it's fun because that was the fucking point it was just fun it's like look at Bill Murray. Like the, to me, Bill Murray is the. It, it really like ties up so much about what Attack Attack really was mm-hmm. because Johnny was so much of Attack Attack. He brought yeah. that like fun, no fucking care about what anybody thinks. Does it make us laugh? And do we have fun playing it? That's all that matters. Um, but then really under that would be like this brilliant song. Like he's yeah. so fucking good. Um, but brilliant, yeah, but also just made absolutely no sense yeah. in like a cool way. Like yeah. the first time I heard uh, stick stickly, I was at just some like random scene kids. But first I want to thank distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, 
You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Like how some scene girls party and they put it on and I just like stopped what I was doing. I was like, what in the fuck is this? Dude, yes, man. This makes no fucking sense. That literally was it. And like to the point of choosing to do that, like if it didn't make us laugh or I don't know how we found that kind of middle ground. But yeah, th- dude, those first two records were were magical. And like, I look back on those times so fondly now. I spent so long fucking burying that shit and like not thinking about it and fucking hating it um, and only looking at the negative that came out of it and how it kind of like, you know, the situation scarred me in quite yeah. a few ways. But now I'm, I'm just like, dude, those are some of the best years of my life. Like being fucking 15 years old in Joey Sturgis's garage when he was still like teen smoking. Yeah, dude, just ripping. Everybody (laughs) is smoking. We're fucking like pissing out in the yard because there's no (laughs) bathroom. We have to drive to the gas station to go take a shit and like pouring in a van nonstop, like lighting fireworks in the van on the highway, just being fucking idiot kids. And like, it was great time. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. Man, it, it really was. There, there's some magic that um, that I could, you know, that was very much. It, it was just. It was meant to be. It happened and I couldn't be more fucking proud. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I fuck. That was cool. And I think especially like the self-titled one, like really, really, really holds up like Smokehanus. Mm. Like that is just a legitimately great song. I think that's when Joey also was just like 
really entering God mode. Dude, and you just add all of that up God. together and you're like, damn it, this is good. Yeah. But like he dude, we were talking about this the other day. Me and uh I'm a huge Dev Wars Prada fan, obviously. If you've listened to Attack Attack in that era, you know Prada like paved the way. Um, but we went through like their whole discography on the bus one night uh in Europe, spent like a long time going through and talking about all their eras. Uh-huh. Like, dude, that's a talk about a band that's had an amazing fucking ride. Like they're one of my favorites of all time. It's so good to see them doing so well now. But listening to those old records, it was like, dude, Joey was doing something that like you had never heard a mix that absolutely and Especially in this genre. And- I was like, whoa, I had no idea this kind of music could sound this way. Yeah. Didn't know it was possible, man. Like, yeah. Shout out to fucking Joey Sturgis, the king, dude. I mean, he's the reason I'm still. I mean, the reason my shit sounds the way it does, like, absolutely. Well, right on. Well, I appreciate your time, time. and uh, always good to chat, and I will catch yeah. you later. Dude, thank you for the time, man. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week, I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.